You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 5, verses 21 to 26. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it is given for our good. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Your word that speaks truth and your spirit that convicts sinners like us to to recognize that you are God and there is no other, that you are truth, that you are um, the word. And Lord, we just ask that you speak clearly to us, that your spirit may uh, work in us powerfully to be a people um, more and more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Recently, I've been watching a Korean drama with my wife, and it's called The Glory. And it's essentially about a woman who was bullied in high school, and it was quite a terrible type of bullying. And she essentially, at some point in the drama, dropped out, ran away, and she began scheming against these bullies, an elaborate plan to get back at them. The secrets that she found out about them was used as ammunition against them. She became a teacher at one of the kids' schools of these bullies. Her revenge was fueled by anger, and her life purpose was really around this seeking after vengeance. And in our passage today, Jesus is speaking about this type of anger, an anger that comes out of a deep resentment and a bitterness An anger that desires to show authority, let people know of their resentment, that excites over revenge and hurts other people. You know, so far in our sermon series, in the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most famous sermons, he speaks about his relationship with the law and the prophets. He tells us that he has not come to abolish the law, but he has come to fulfill it. And these verses we're reading about today is one of the six antitheses that Jesus is trying to communicate, trying to teach us of what the law really means, what God's true intention of these commandments. And Jesus is also telling his listeners that um, their righteousness needs to exceed of the scribes and the Pharisees, that in order for them, for their in order for their righteousness to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, they need to look within and not just look without. And if you don't know who these scribes and the Pharisees were, these were the religious teachers at the time, teachers of the law, the leaders. And it is these people whom our righteousness needs to exceed. 
How can, they, how can this be so? Well, Jesus is trying to get at the heart of the matter here. And perhaps we might even ask ourselves what it means to get at the heart of the matter. The law can be understood just mere externally to either do something or, or to not do something. But Jesus is bringing us to what the sixth commandment really means. You shall not murder. And it's quite a self-explanatory commandment if you, if you think about it. But Jesus is trying to get at the real problem of murder, that being anger. And to be clear, Jesus is not claiming that all anger is wrong. There is a good type of anger. And Martin Luther, a church reformer, calls this type of anger an anger of love, one that wishes no evil on the other, one that is friendly to the person but hostile towards the sin. And Jesus in our text is not speaking about this type of anger. He is speaking about an unrighteous type of anger that is not fueled by love but fueled by vengeance. An anger that springs from a hurt pride, resentment, bitterness, that seeks revenge. And this unrighteous type of anger that this woman may have felt made her life purpose around. And to be clear, she had every reason to be angry of the terrible things that she went through in high school, the injustice that she experienced. But instead of seeking reconciliation, she sought after justice on her own terms. And we too have experienced this type of anger. And although we may not have made our life purpose to, to get revenge, but we too have went the lengths of having a type of bitterness and resentment within us. It festers in the secret places of our heart. It does not need to look like murder, but it can come across as insult, talking harshly with someone, rude remarks. This is the type of, the type of anger that Jesus is concerned about. This anger that brings division in God's church, and Jesus warns us, is liable to God's judgment. Jesus here is communicating to us that if you are a citizen of this kingdom, God's kingdom, that we are to put away an unrighteous type of anger and to seek reconciliation as we have been reconciled to God in Christ. Jesus in our passage today is telling us three things. That our unrighteous anger reveals a murderous heart, it hinders right worship, and it risks eternal punishment. Our unrighteous anger reveals a murderous heart. Many of us know the sixth commandment very well. You shall not murder. You don't need to be in church for too long to know that this is something from scripture or something that is morally correct. And only really a small percentage of the population actually becomes convicted murderers. And it may be tempting for us to think that we're in the clear, that we're good. This is a commandment that doesn't really apply to us. And this line of thinking would have been quite common with the original audience, the people listening to Jesus at this time. They would have been quite familiar with the sixth commandment. They would have taken it seriously, but also taken it only quite literally. And Jesus in verse 22 is expanding on what he is talking about. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, who is liable to judgment, he expands on the sixth commandments, telling us that we cannot judge a book by its cover. There is more to the story. He's concerned about our hearts, our attitudes, our thoughts, our motivations. These things is what really matters in the righteous life, in life in the kingdom. It's not only what is perceived on the outside 
or how people interpret us, but it is also the things on the inside. You know, the scribes and the Pharisees may have thought that perhaps that, that they're good. They did not commit murder. And in comparison with those convicted murderers, they would have thought that they themselves are far more righteous than they. Friends, how many of us have these type of thoughts as well? When we come across a post on social media, when we see something on the news, we think, man, like what terrible things are happening in the world? What terrible people? The worst, perhaps. And in some way, we elevate ourselves, thinking that we are far more righteous than they. You know, during lockdown, lockdown I, I had lots of time on my hands. And um, one of the things that I became really obsessed with was, was videos on the internet about bushcraft. If you don't know what bushcraft is, it's essentially just people who go out in the forest and, and they, they try to survive with limited supplies. You know, they would, they would build houses with these logs, they would cut trees, and one of the things that really interested me was how they made their fires. They would use something called a flint and steel, and basically it's a steel, if you press against the flint hard enough, it'll create sparks, and these sparks would um, become big fires when it's um, with like a bed of grass or some sort of flammable you know, objects, and then it'll grow into a big fire. Something about that really intrigued me. All you need are sparks to produce a fire. And Jesus, in his teaching this morning, is, is shedding light to see that these sparks of unrighteous anger is something that we need to be concerned about. It's not just the fires of murder, these sparks as well. These sparks of anger lead us to the kindling of insult, calling someone you fool. Our unrighteous anger also hinders right worship. You know, the breaking of fellowship due to unrighteous anger proves to us that we are actually distant from God. We are far from him. To hate our brothers and sisters in the church demonstrates that we actually do not love God. You know, this anger divides. It is a stumbling block for when we come into the presence of the Lord. And Jesus in verse 23 and 24 is telling us that God desires a people who are reconciled with one another. This is so important to the extent that Jesus actually tells us to leave our gifts and be reconciled first. And one of the main ways the, the people of Israel worshipped was that they would go up to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and they'll lay their gifts on the altar. And these gifts would be burnt up and it would create a lot of smoke and it would become a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And this was, of course, true. God would have been pleased, but there is an element to the worship that goes far beyond a, a ritual or, or just some part of a religious life. And it seems to be anger that is what's hindering this worship. Unreconciled relationships, unrighteous anger demonstrates that we are actually far from God and in need of reconciliation to our neighbors. It may also demonstrate to us that we need reconciliation with God as well. Jesus here in this passage is telling us that God is not pleased with the worship that someone brings when they know that someone has something against them. And notice that it's not even necessarily our own anger, but it's the anger of someone else. Perhaps it's due to, to something that we've said, something that we've done, or even left undone. You know, when I was living with my parents, I remember one Sunday morning, there was a huge dispute and as we were all getting ready, they were just blasting each other and yelling at each other. And 
I was really hoping that the fights would end soon because the car ride to church is around 45 minutes, but it kept going on. And right when we pulled up into the church parking lot, as we're getting out to enter into the church doors, one of them said to the other, we're at church now, it's time for worship. And I don't mean to throw shade at my parents, I feel like every illustration I give is kind of about them, but um, I promise you they, they loved one another and they truly did fear the Lord. But my point being, we cannot just enter a time of worship when there is an unreconciled relationship that it needs to be dealt with. Jesus here is showing what it means to be a peacemaker. He's showing what it means to be a son or daughter of God. And those who understand the gospel, those who strive to live this righteous life are reconciled people as they are reconciled to God. Is there someone in your life that needs reconciling with? maybe a family member, a friend, someone from your small group. Jesus is inviting us to lower our guards, confront those awkward conversations, tackle the elephant in the room, be reconciled first as we come before the Lord. Would you hear God's call to be reconciled as you are reconciled to God in the gospel? Not only are we to be reconciled with those against us, but Jesus tells us that we need to be reconciled quickly. Our unrighteous anger risks eternal punishment. In verse 25, we read, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to the court. If reconciliation seems to be the counter behavior to this unrighteous anger that we have, and if eternal punishment is real and it's coming, then we need to take seriously reconciliation and come to terms quickly with our accuser. Jesus here is building upon what it means to be a reconciled people. It is not a reconciliation that can be done later or when it's most convenient, but there is an urgency to reconciliation. It's to acknowledge our wrongs and make right what is wrong, to pay back the accuser on the way to the courthouse. To live righteously is to make our wrongs right as soon as we can. It's not to hide our sins. It's not to dig a bigger and deeper hole so that we could throw all the junk there to hide our wrongs. It is to confront them. You know, if you could just imagine in a legal case when we're being accused of something, and something that we most certainly have done wrong, how are we going to respond? Are we going to try to make a false narrative claiming that we are being falsely accused? Are we going to try to get the best lawyers in the country to make a case for us? Rather than pursuing reconciliation, we would be a people that pursues deception and division. To fan the flame of unrighteous anger. And we might think that this might be far better than to actually confront the consequences at hand. Friends, how dangerous it is to go down this rabbit hole. Let not pride divide. Let not bitterness come between you and the accuser. For if you go down this rabbit hole, we will all need to pay back the debt that we owe to the last penny. And perhaps in these earthly courts, we might actually win, right, with our false narratives. But when we stand before the Lord, he'll see right through our deception. He'll see right through our lies. In the heavenly courts, we will be judged according to our actions. And we'll have to pay back right to the last penny. Those who understand the gospel are a people who act quickly. 
This is exactly how the citizens of God's kingdom behave. They do not wait till the last moments to make a plea. They do not wait until they have to stand before the Lord to make a case for innocence. Let us be a people who make pleas preemptively, settlements before we have to go to the courthouse, make amends quickly. And if we're not reconciled with these people, it proves that we are actually quite far from God and so risk the dangers of hell. And if I could be the first to admit, I've had my fair share of unrighteous anger. We, we all have. You know, whether it's been nurturing in the secrets of our hearts or it's been expressed through insults, perhaps even violence, the righteous life, life in the kingdom is extremely hard. How can we live up to these standards, we might ask? Well, the good news, friends, is that the core identity of what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom is not to scramble to do all these things so that we could escape the wrath of God, to escape hell. But our, our identity is, lies in the one who has come to fulfill the law and the prophets, the one who has reconciled us to the righteous accuser, God himself, whom we will all face one day. We were enemies of God, deserving of God's just punishment. For all the times that we have been unrighteously angry towards the other, the bitterness and the resentment that may have harbored in our hearts, even to this day. And Jesus has every reason to respond with a righteous type of anger, dragging us to the courthouse, ignoring our pleas, handing us over to the judge, and to watch us live in prison for the rest of our lives, the eternal fires of hell. But the good news, friends, is that Christ does not do this. That while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, he made a way for us to be reconciled through his life, death, and resurrection. And for those who have received this gospel, know that we had a great debt, an enormous debt that we owe to God. But this debt has been paid off to the last penny to the one who is preaching this sermon on the mount. By the one whom Matthew is writing about, writing about by the one who has lived the righteous life for our sake and died the death for sinners like you and I. For this reason, brothers and sisters, put away unrighteous anger. Repent from this murderous heart that we all have had and be reconciled quickly as we have been reconciled to, to the one who made peace with God, Jesus Christ himself. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, and we look to Christ, recognizing that the reconciliation that we partake in in this life with members in the church is in light of your reconciliation of Christ for us on our behalf. And Lord, we, we ask that you can do a powerful work in us to put away this unrighteous anger and to, to seek righteousness, to learn more and more what it means to be citizens of this kingdom, to live for your glory and to your name. Lord, help us to be a people who is reconciled to you and reconciled with our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca.